right. Hi, I'm John. Um, okay. Hold on. I gotta get this out. I gotta get this out You're of the way. You're making him nervous, Andy. Andy, gosh, you're just so cute right now. I'm Dude, I'm not even naked. You think like, about you're me. the one who was threatening to get naked. <laughs> the socks just came off, bro. It started. Oh, snap. <laughs> All right. Hey, I'm John. I'm here with Grant. Yo. And this is the Grape Nuts Podcast. And so we're here with uh, our good friend, Andy, also known as Hurricane Andy. And um, for many reasons, as you'll soon find out. Um, but have you heard John Piper's Grape, Grape Nut rant? Well, you guys introduced me to it. So I, I try to do a little homework. So I'm like, I don't want to be the guy who comes on Grape Nuts and doesn't understand the show. Right. So I'm like, I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. So I, I totally listened to the first episode. It, it actually, like, I'm not even joking. Like, it has made me take a minute to reflect on myself a little bit and be like, this is a really interesting kind of topic. Like, what are some of my random passions? And so mm-hmm. I like, I'm not saying like I spent hours preparing, but like <laughs> I did, I did take like at least probably about an hour's time collectively. And like yeah. that list that I sent you was sort of like the distilled version of like, yeah, these are sort of like things that I'm actually like a weirdo about. So that <laughs> yeah, was cool. Oh man. You get it, dude. You get it. You're probably one of the few people that get it. <laughs> You're probably the first who actually did any form of homework before coming on the show. <laughs> no, it was just, it was cool because it got me intrigued. Like it sparked something in my thinking, you know. Mm. Um, what, is the, what is the difference between a grape nut, a.k.a. a random passion, mm. and a pet peeve? Oh, oh. oh Okay. Because I started talking to Tinsu about it, and I'm like, hey, like, what are some of your, like, random passions? And she's like, I don't know if I have any. And then she started, like, listing off stuff, and, and she's like, well, these feel like pet peeves, like, mm. clean the bathroom every Saturday, or, <laughs> like, like just stuff that's, like, different. And I'm like, I don't know if that's oh. a passion. Like, can you be passionate about bleaching the toilet? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It was just interesting. Andy's first grape nut, slavery to the coffee bean. Can you tell us about why you love only hand grinding coffee beans? Oh yeah, dude, this is, this is legit. So, so I transitioned into coffee consumption when uh, my wife and I started having children and I realized that the compression of my available time was very real. And so if I wanted to have time for myself, it was either gonna have to be really late at night or very early in the morning. And so I chose the early in the morning route and to aid me in doing that, I started to drink coffee. Hmm. And in the process of drinking coffee, probably John and Grant, I don't know if you're a coffee addict or if you've kept your body in temple pure. <laughs> I No, I do not drink. My, my wife don't. enjoys coffee. It does help with back pain. But um, uh, basically, basically, my coffee drinking has just progressed. So uh, I used to, and it's, this is not like, um, a, I don't know, maybe it's a thing, but so I used to like, you know, have a pot that you would put the timer on. It was a typical drip thing and you'd fill it with the coffee the day before and the timer goes off and your cup of coffee is ready in the morning. And, uh, that was okay when I was watering coffee down with like additives. Um, but then you, you quickly, you know, that's like baby food, coffee drinking, like you got to get off that. You got to wean yourself off of cream and sugar. So then I moved into, you know, French pressing coffee, which is where I still live. I live in the French press community. 
And, and so then, you know, you're buying the coffee bean and you're either buying it whole and you have to put it through some sort of grinding process at home or you get it ground at like your favorite coffee shop in advance, you bring the whole bag back and you use it up throughout the week or weeks or whatever. So for me, um, I kind of have become this little bit of like a coffee snob slash addict where I actually think there is a material difference between hand grinding a coffee bean and, and having it ground in advance. So I actually have a hand grinder I think a metal grinder that is electronically powered actually moves so fast that it puts burn elements on the bean. It's like cutting so fast that it's actually grinding and burning. And so I now use a cylindrical burr grinder with a hand crank. It's very Amish. And, and I load it up and I hand crank my coffee beans. And, um, and, and so it's like this thing. And, and, and also what's happening is I feel very connected to the coffee consumption <laughs> process. And like, I'm serious, like I get up in the morning and, and there's also a sidebar to this, a coffee grinding machine's very loud. Mm-hmm. And if you wake up early in the morning and you're trying to fresh grind your coffee bean, interesting, it, it's terrible. You have young children, they wake up. Now you've defeated the purpose of waking up early and drinking your coffee in <laughs> solitude. So it was like, I also had to go stealth mode. So it was like, if I hand grind, I think the quality is better. And I think the experience is better. You feel connected to the consumption of your coffee. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I have a little burr grinder that I keep now. And I get my beans from a local coffee guy who roasts them up for me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and it's like, I, I'm just so passionate about it. I encourage people to try this, John, to aid you in your progression towards full coffee serfdom and just slavery to the bean. <laughs> I think you should get a little hand grinder. I got mine on Amazon for like 50 bucks mm-hmm. and it's like stainless steel. It's really high quality. And it's a burr grinder, which if you don't know, is basically looks like a little, uh, like a little rounded pyramid and the beans get caught at the top and they slowly get twisted around down to the base and they get ground up into whatever consistency of bean you need. It's phenomenal. It's an amazing oh, nice. experience. And it releases the aroma of the bean. And so I've trained all of my kids to come around if they're awake. And even my little two-year-old will come around as I'm grinding and she'll wait and I'll pull the little bottom canister off and she'll smell it and she'll go, mmm, and then I make coffee. So like, I'm just, I'm super into it, man. I think it's so cool. And like, you're so connected to the process and you feel so in tune with the, like the whole experience. And, um, uh, and I sort of just geek out about it. Like I take it with me when we travel, I grind my own beans. It's, um, it's grape nut level, I think, you know, and I don't know if people are inspired or now they despise me as a human being, but um, I fully recommend it and I'm totally into it. And I think it's great. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. I, I quickly ran your grape nuts by uh, Michelle, Andy, and um, oh, snap. She, well, she had heard people scoffing at using uh, the typical metal blade for yeah. uh, grinding and, and pre- to the um, the burr is definitely preferred uh, within the, the coffee community. She was saying she had never heard of anyone using a hand grinder outside of the power going out, you're on <laughs> camping, or you've like lost it. <laughs> <laughs> you lost it. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, so she has affirmed the level of nut right there okay this is insane well, right now. so uh, but so w- what i heard when you explained it i heard mm-hmm. two big reasons why you've gone the extra mile one yeah. is the experience somehow you 
you doing it versus the electricity doing it, you feel oh, yeah. closer to it. And then the mm -hmm. stealth thing, I think, is real. So I, I, I think I, I, I understand why, but I, uh, I'm not in the community, but it does seem like you're, you've definitely gone one uh, above. Dude, I, I think I have. And, and like, you know, I'll probably be questioned to the day I die that there's an improvement in the quality of the bean based upon hand grinding versus non-hand grinding. But it's sort of like, uh, I don't know, beauty's in the eye of the beholder kind of thing. Like, it's very like, I just feel that cup of coffee. I consume and I experience that coffee so much differently when I have cranked it out. It's also a good sort of forearm exercise. There's a nice little, there's a nice little action there. You know, there's a little bit of resistance as the bean gets ground up. So there's like some sub, like maybe that offsets the oils in the French press because I've burnt a few extra calories. Like, I don't know, but it, it definitely, um, it's definitely odd. It's definitely time consuming. You can't do large batches. Like you have to do a small single batch grind per time so it's not great for hosting and you're like making coffee mm -hmm. for your friends like you right it's not effective that way so there's definitely some limitations and like drawbacks to doing it mm -hmm. but um yeah and then the stealth thing is like 100 percent like mm. oh, that's a real dynamic like i that's it's true. just really like i used to actually use my electric grinder i put a pillow from the couch over it <laughs> to try to suppress the noise and it just was like this is lame this is weird like that's even more weird i think Mm, like burying your coffee grinder under pillows and stuff. I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of serial killer-esque. Yeah, it is. It's kind of creepy, right? It's like, what am I, what am I becoming in the dark of my kitchen? You know? <laughs> You're going to go to your car and shut the door. And <laughs> yeah, do it, right. Put it in your trunk. <laughs> yeah, you know? It's weird, man. Yeah, I'd say that's a good grade, man. Thousand I, I, could see, I could see how you, like, it's such an experience that you, like what you're saying in the morning is like, you you are excited to to get to your coffee in your little little zone in a little pocket of time and space in your family. So, Andy's second grape nut, the Lamborghini of Bibles. All right, let's let's go with the goatskin, man. Now, boom. What? First of all, like when did this begin, and like what makes goatskin so special for your reading experience? Oh snap, bro. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to honor your time constraints, but understand that this is without a doubt of every of any grape nut I could ever conceive to have. <laughs> this is this is the this is the firstborn child of grape nuts right here, okay? This is the one of promise, the one of blessing. Like this this is the game-changing experience. I you need to hear this, okay? So so I'm older than both of you by probably a fair bit, right? By, by a country mile. So I, I actually I actually have saved every Bible that I've ever owned. Okay. Wow. I have in my in my office on my on my shelf, I have every Bible I've ever owned. Okay. And it, uh, my parents bought me a Bible when I was like 13. And I learned how to read. That was special. And then <laughs> uh, yeah, you know they moved me off of the like the you know cartoon Picture. character one. Yeah. yeah, like here's words, Andy. Um, um, so I look back through, and so I'm going to, I'm going to try to keep this tight for you guys, but basically oh, right, here's yeah. the deal. Here's the deal. 2001 friend of mine bought me a Bible. It was, it, it is called the Cambridge cameo Bible. Now to you listeners, the millions of listeners out there who don't know, <laughs> um, shame on you. First of all, um, secondly, like this Bible is perfect in a lot of ways. Now, I know both of you read your Bible, at least you should. 
if you're church planning, you should know that book. And, and, and so oftentimes there's trade-offs with Bibles. Okay. You either get a huge Bible, right? It's huge. And it has like a thousand notes and maps. And it's like the size of, you know, I don't know, like a huge book, which nobody reads anymore, but like a dictionary. It's like this huge, huge, huge Bible, right? It's not practical. You can't really conveniently take it to church. You cannot conveniently do anything with it, right? It's a great study Bible, but very impractical for like daily transportation going places. The other side of that is you go into your typical Christian bookstore and you got like 80 Bibles that are just basic, like really poor quality, they're like flashy. They have like flowers and butterflies and hearts. Or if it's for boys, it has like a sword on it. And and yet it's like the typeset inside is like really not very legible. It's hard to read. It's small and compact, but not a not a convenient daily read, right? Okay. Okay. So so what happens when somebody strives for the perfect blend of quality con like quality and readability? What happens is God blesses us with the Cambridge Cameo Bible. That's what happens. The Cambridge Cameo changed my life, man. So the goatskin leather is the highest quality leather you can get in a binding of a Bible. Most people probably have some sort of artificial Bible binding thing. Like it's not even real leather, right? So it's like wannabe Christianity, right? It's not even real. So they have this like synthetic product that's mass produced. There's no hands craftsmanship it's like a run-of-the-mill bible now i'm not judging you if you're reading that bible the words are important the binding less so but still significant nonetheless so i got into i got into church ministry when i was 19. i started preaching and teaching when i was 19 going on 20. and i found and this is sort of where my, my my evolution my genesis into this life began i found that i wanted a bible that I could hold in my hand hmm. that I could preach from and it would fit in my hand perfectly, not fatigue my arm, right? I'm not <laughs> a big man, so I can't have a fatigued arm. And I also wanted to lay flat and lay open as I'm holding it. You ever get a book, a Bible that's kind of new and stiff and you try to open it and it just keeps closing back up mm. and the pages mm. don't lay flat mm. open, right? right? Okay. It's a real problem. I know everyone's like, that's a real problem. Keep my Bible open. <laughs> It was like a thing for me, man. So the goatskin leather is so supple and it's so soft. It's just, so... <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got Grant on the word supple. I did. I did. You got me. Yeah, I got you, bro. So, so it, it is like super, super soft, super uh, durable. And uh, the, Cam the Cambridge Bible is hand stitched, right? Mm -hmm. So it's really high quality. And uh, the, and so I was, I got my first one in 2001. Mm -hmm. I, I used it extensively to the point where I was trying to keep it together with duct tape and stuff. Oh. And sadly, the Cambridge has actually went out of production for a while. So I was kind of a man without a new Bible. So oh, I just kept on. like, hang on. Yeah, dude. Did you, terrible, did you right? It was awful. The, your, the best quality in the world book is falling apart. Is that what you're telling me? Dude, that's what, that is what I'm telling you. And, and immediately you would draw conclusions. It's not the best Bible, but I'm hoping you draw a different conclusion, which is I'm so spiritual. <laughs> that I wore out the highest quality Bible you could ever buy, right? That's what I'm hoping you're thinking. 
Probably you're not, but that's what I'm hoping. <laughs> so, you know, I can make the argument I would have wore out your artificial, you know, synthetic leather Bible in like six weeks. Mm. But this one lasted me okay. nine years. I actually put the date in the front of my Bible when I buy it. Mm. So 2001 was my first Cambridge and it rocked my world. And I loved it. And I loved this, the absolute perfect blend of size of Bible mm. and readability of the print. It was mm. phenomenal. And I realized, and I, you know, I didn't really think about it actually until John pinged me like a week ago and was like, hey, bro, we're doing this cool podcast, like, and it's about this topic. And, and like, he listed off this as like one of the things that left an impression on him from our time hanging out over those few years. <laughs> and, and I'm like, and it kind of like made me kind of like rewind. And, you know, it was wild. And this is, I'm going to try to be brief, but I, uh, I was in youth ministry for many years. And I would constantly talk to these kids about how much I just love the Bible. And I would you know, sing the praises of my Cambridge Bible. And they, they probably, I always assumed they just thought I was an idiot and they didn't care and whatever. <laughs> no lie, bro. A kid that was like 13 years old. Now he's like 20. He's about to, he's getting married. And he reached out and he's like, dude, I'd love for you to do the ceremony for me and my fiance. And I'm like, that would be awesome, man. That'd be so cool. So we got together and we met. And this was like about a month ago. And so we sit down, we're having like a meal and we're talking about their relationship. And the, the thing that struck me was this, I got my Bible out because we're talking about like marriage and stuff. And I'm like, let me just share with you where I'm coming from. And he's like, oh, is that your goatskin leather Bible? And like, bro, like it like, it like changed my, like, I was like, this is all worth it. The years of dealing with, with teenagers, this one kid got it, man. And like, he actually asked me, he's like, is that your goatskin leather Bible? And I'm like, dude, you remember so then john hit me up and he's like bro you're kind of like a weird bible dude and i'm like i i must talk about this a lot i must give people this impression and so yeah but anyway so yeah like probably like like other sub communities of weird people i am into this bible thing so so i got my next cambridge in 2011 and uh the other the other the only downside i could find as i got further along in my in my bible collecting sort of use thing is that Cambridge only printed King James Version Bibles. All That's all they printed. And if you hung out in Ithaca when I was around and like you ever came to the church that we were going to together and you heard me preach, I'd preach out of a King James Bible, mostly because I just loved my Bible, not because I necessarily <laughs> loved the King James. And so, and Your I'm not getting- suffers because- Yeah, <laughs> like you suffer, you're listening to 1600s English. <laughs> and and I suffer because I have to relearn 1600s English every time I teach. And yet the Bible was so great in the hand, I couldn't give it up. Like I was just, I was hooked. I was hooked. And so the the other like, and I, I said this in my like little pre pre like show text to you guys. There's a few, there's a few sub grape nuts under this big grape nut. And, and the, the um, sub grape nut is that when I looked back at my Bible I had when I was like 12, 13, 14, mm. I used pens in that bible that have now bled through like multiple pages and has completely blotted out portions of the word of god mm. and it was also very bad handwriting and the lines and stuff were really crooked and jagged and it oh, looked here we terrible go. it looks I know so where bad this is going right so so now i'm like okay i really believe in the quality of this bible i believe in it for so many reasons which i don't have one podcast time to, to talk to you about and so I, I went on a search to discover a proper tool to mark a Bible with. And I have found that tool 
and I don't get any commission for promoting this. I get no money for sharing this with you. I don't get any kickbacks, but the Micron, M-I-C-R-O-N, Japanese-made uh -huh. archival ink pen, uh -huh. 0.05 tip size, is without a doubt the greatest Bible marking tool known to man. And you can get a package of multiple colors. And if you're into like, you know, different color schemes, you can do that. I'm strictly red ink in my Bible. That's it. Because we all know Jesus spoke red words. So therefore, red ink goes in the Bible, right? It's very easy to do. It's logical. It's logical. I'm like, Jesus, jump, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, Jesus spoke with red letters. I'm going to use red ink. So the last, the last piece that I believe uh, kind of completes my Bible kind of use sort of thing is, is I have the special archival ink pens that are the perfect tip width. So you don't like, you know, go too much and you can kind of like get a nice clean line right in between the lines of text and you don't run over anything. And then I have this sort of flexible uh, six inch ruler. It looks, it's like kind of wide, like a bookmark, and it actually has like a magnifying uh, glass quality to it. It, it. Like you can buy them on Amazon for like two bucks. They're really inexpensive, but it's flexible. And it's about six inches, which fits perfectly inside of the size Bible that I buy. So now I have this perfect trinity. Notice the Christian metaphor here. Perfect trinity of Bible reading. I have a perfect pen. I have the perfect ruler. I have the perfect Bible. And, and then I hand brew and I hand grind my bean and I make my coffee and this whole experience all happens like synergistically together. Like mm -hmm. my coffee, I've made it, it's quiet, nobody else is up. I have my Bible, it lays flat on the table in front of me. Mm -hmm. I have my pen and my ruler and I get into it and it's, it's incredible, man. It is the mm -hmm. singular greatest highlight of my day. The other thing that I hold as an absolute essential conviction of my life is that the Bible is actually the inspired word of God. So I feel like it's sacred. Mm -hmm. And because it's sacred, I feel like it needs to be treated and it needs to be represented in a way that is significant, right? Mm -hmm. You're, we're all married here. Like mm -hmm. we put a lot of thought into the engagement ring we got our wives because mm -hmm. we wanted them to communicate our value. Like, hey, you're so important to me. Mm -hmm. I saved up a bunch of money. And I spent a lot of time thinking about this because I could have just gone down in like the grocery store and put 25 cents on a little toy thing out front got your little plastic ring. And in theory, the ring itself, if we're all thinking about it, it doesn't really have any value. We attach oh, the sure. value with the promises and commitments we put into it. Mm. But we also believe because of the value of the promise, the value of the ring is is significant, right? Mm. So yeah. I'm like, man, the, the word of God, the, the Bible is sacred, man. Like this is not just some trifling mass produced book. This is the word of God. And I want it to be represented in how it's how I take it in my hand and everything about it has value and significance. So like this Bible I have right here, this Skylar Bible, I bought this this year because I was on a, I was on a search for literally like two years looking for a, a, an exact as close as I could replication of the Cambridge cameo in an ESV translation. And I couldn't find it until God sent some great people into the world who were like, we too, have these great nut passions <laughs> we want to make something incredible and so it's dude it's been amazing the the bible is actually produced with materials from like seven countries the goatskin comes from india the ink comes from germany the paper comes from france the ribbons come from england oh it's printed gosh. in the netherlands it's designed in america it's oh. custom it's like custom built man it's like <laughs> it's like the lamborghini of bibles which is like not trying to make it materialistic but like it is 
it is phenomenal. Uh, it still pains me to go to church and like when the pastor's like open to and almost everybody pulls out an iPhone. That hurts mm. my heart, man. I'm like, I can't believe it. Like, I feel like it's just a commonplace item. Mm. I'm going to later on go take that phone and like call my friend and order a pizza and check my bank account and look at sports and watch a movie. And I'm like, it's just like a common tool. It's just an everything. But man, when you hold the Bible in your hand, it's like, this is something unique and special. Like, this isn't just a thing. Right. This is this is something. So I just, I ascribe yeah. so much value to it that I feel for me personally, I've right. got to geek out and just like demonstrate that through the way I, the way I like do my Bible thing, so. Andy's third and final grape nut, powerful lawn art. Andy, I want to hear about this multi-directional lawn mowing thing. Uh, Heck yeah, bro. I know I got four and a half minutes. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. All right. So if anybody follows this podcast, they understand I have certain issues, right? I have an underlining issue. I have a straight underline issue, right? Waxed eloquent. Bible's got to be crisp and clean. So I don't know like how it is in California. I don't know what like people's homes look like or like what their setup is like. If it's urban, maybe they don't have green grass. They don't know what green things look like, except for maybe <laughs> hemp. But, you know, hey, don't smoke it. Um, that's, a, that's a knock on the West Coast. So here's the deal. I live on about uh, three quarters of an acre of land. And, and so when I, when I mow, there, there, are, there are, you can go vertically, and all your lines can be super crisp in a vertical pattern. Right, and when that. you're finished, you're looking at this perfectly mowed. Everything's very symmetrical. The fescue, as I like to call it, is just perfect. Oh, yeah. the fe- Look it up, bro. Fescue. <laughs> How do you um, spell that? <laughs> yeah, I think it's with an F. That's as far as I'm going to take it. <laughs> I just, I've heard it used a lot. It sounded super trendy. So I'm like, let me throw it into the podcast. So the grass, the grass will be mowed in a vertical fashion, right? And, and so you get, you get that pattern in the grass. And uh, when the lawnmower passes that way multiple times, eventually what happens is the lawnmower wheels will start to kind of leave like a permanent, I wouldn't say an imprint, but like they bend the grass in such a way that you can just tell that it is cut vertically. So I started to like kind of get weirded out by this. I'm like, I feel like I want to change it up. So then I started to cut horizontal and I was getting like this nice like plaid pattern thing going. (laughs) And it was like, dude, it was like super cool. Like, you know, like in the summers when grass is growing, you got to do this thing like almost every week. And it was like a nice variety thing. So I'm like, great. One week I'll cut vertical. One week I'll cut horizontal. And I was like really in that groove for like months, even years. And then I had a revolution and I can now also cut at a diagonal. So I have, and this is a real thing. You can ask any one of my kids, I do this. So I have, I have one week it's vertical. It's North South. And then the next week across my property, it's East West. And then the third week, which is the week where everything is kind of crazy, you go diagonal corner to corner. And so I actually have like a specific tree on the property line. And I start at one corner by the bottom of my yard and I cut diagonally straight across my yard. And it's like a daring moment. And here's the deal. If you get that first line diagonally cut all messed up, like you really can't save the yard after. Like, like if you go to the barber, and the first cut is too deep. Oh, you can't okay. put the hair back on. Like you messed it up. Like you blew it. So like that moment of truth when you got the you got the engine rev and you're about to you're about to go on this journey across the yard diagonally. You know you got to really be committed and you got to be sure and steady handed. You can't get shaky and you can't doubt your decision halfway through. And and here's the, here's the key. The key is to keep your eyes fixed on the point of destination. 
and you might like if you don't mow if you don't have a yard because you're like a you know like you know generational like you know you're whatever and you don't have grass and you just like live in a concrete jungle then whatever who cares shame on you but <laughs> for those of us who love nature who have grass and trees this is a thing so if you just keep your eyes actually it's true if you keep your eyes fixed on the point that you're going to and you just look at that reference point and you walk towards it and you never take your eyes off of it you will actually cut a perfectly straight line hmm. so andy when, I, when i'm hearing no, you no. saying this and you're like saying you know i did horizontal for, for many years and yeah. then i realized i could do vertical or maybe i flipped that around yeah no, and then right. <laughs> you're saying it's like this huge revelation that you could do diagonal now yeah no. <laughs> <laughs> i'm just like so to be clear i i've uh i've let me make sure you get this yeah i've never mowed a lawn i've definitely had uh what <laughs> I've lived in Michigan where we had a big lawn. I, I clearly did not do my uh, share of the chores. Uh, but when I hear that, I think, like, at what point do you stop? Like, because, you know, what's going to stop, like, two years from now from you, like, saying, it's all about the circles, bro. It's all about the circles. <laughs> I like the zigzags. Like, you know, I just yeah. got to know. Like, what makes this, this diagonal, the best? And yeah. aren't you just going to change it up in the future even more? No, I think I think probably what you're touching on is the fact that my grape nut is going to evolve. Um, I have thought about doing like a diamond or like a star pattern in one <laughs> side, but I just haven't figured out how to do it with my mower without like cutting over other lines and making it look super jacked up. Mm -hmm. But right now, I just have only landed on the three directions because they're the only three that are easily done. Otherwise, it's just like I lose track or it doesn't come out good or it looks sort of jacked up. But yeah, I'm sort of a vertical week one horizontal week two okay. diagonal week three okay and then week four is like a wild card a nice clean diagonal cut is an impressive feature like it's cool bro mm. like get a yard get a mower think of this podcast cut a diagonal cut on day one and just feel feel powerful feel awesome <laughs> like i'm creating lawn art you know whatever it is mm. it's cool it's cool. Dude, this has been such a joy. My face hurts from laughing so much. Seriously, <laughs> definitely just feel like we're getting started. Uh, so yeah, thanks, Andy, for jumping on. Uh, until next that time. Goes. Yeah, you got it, man. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs>